0: Welcome to the New Beyond, a podcast that invites listeners to learn how to not only think outside the box, but learn how to live outside it. The New Beyond is a place in consciousness that lies beyond ideas of normal and abnormal. It's a place where the new comfort zone has much more to do with your willingness to play big and be uncomfortable while you're learning how to navigate this brave new world. Hello, I'm Dr. Judith Rich not a coach, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Box. The New Beyond invites us to go farther and deeper than you ever thought you could go. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Each of us can build. Each of us can teach and reach inside. We can guide. What we leave is up to each of us. Hello, Beyond Squad. Welcome to the New Beyond. I'm Judith Rich. And this week's episode is the edited audio of an interview I did as part of a speaker series hosted by Brandy Saffron. Her series is on wise women Rising. And Brandy and I had a conversation about becoming an empowered elder and about being a wise woman leader. I had a lot of fun doing this interview with Brandy. I hope you enjoy.
1: So when I think of a wise woman leader, I think of Dr. Judith Rich. And I'm not alone in that. There are many, many, many fans of who you are and the work that you do and what you represent for so many of us. And I would love to hear a little bit from you, um, being in this work for many, many years. What does it mean for you to be a wise woman leader?
0: Oh, wow, that's such a great question. And to be perfectly honest, I have not always thought of myself in those terms. I've not always seen that to be true about me. I came up in this work, if you will. I grew up in the work of transformation and leadership in a very masculine model. And so the feminine was not encouraged, was not nurtured, was not acknowledged. And I think that, you know, in many ways, that's still very true in the world today, in the corporate world particularly. But pretty much everywhere. I mean, we're here on a summit called Wise Women Rising and the the feminine, I think the empowered sacred feminine is rising as a consciousness. But back in the 70s, when I began my transformational work, as I said, it was very, very masculine oriented. And so I learned how to do that work. I learned how to do lead trainings and work people um, and coach people from a very masculine perspective. That's how I was trained. That's how I was taught. That's what got reinforced in me. However, there was always some part of me that while on the outside, I'm doing and performing and creating and, you know, the, I'm doing the doing from the masculine. There was always a part of me that knew that wasn't really who I was. I'm not aligned with this. And so she began, she, my inner wise woman, she began peeking out, you know, she began to give me courage to innovate the work. And I was, I began doing some early innovations in the work, in the particular system in which I came up. And I was not, that was not encouraged. I I kept breaking the mold, you know, <laughs> I kept breaking the rules because I wanted to do the work organically. I I just felt organically the work flowing through me, which is, of course, the feminine. And so that is pretty much always since I would say since the late 70s. It's pretty much how I have always proceeded. However, I want to say this. I began doing Jungian work in the 90s. And as part of that being trained as a Jungian oriented therapist, I, you know, working with my supervisor in the school that I was attending. I will never forget a session in which I sat across from Charles, my supervisor, and we were talking about the feminine archetype. And I was expressing my own doubts and reservations that a woman could be powerful. Because up until that point in time, I had not truly embodied or owned my own empowered wise woman. I was in my 40s at the time. And he looked at me. Charles looked at me. Charles Bebo. I can just see him right now. May he rest in peace. He looked at me and he said, and this just changed everything for me. He said, well, you're certainly a good daughter daughter of the patriarchy. Mm. Um, Wow. That hit me like a ton of bricks because I had been studying archetypes. I've been studying the patriarchy and to be called a good daughter of the patriarchy was exactly what it took to just shatter whatever ideas I had about the feminine. And that set me on a journey to really begin to explore and develop and nurture my own feminine. And so I did my doctoral dissertation on the future of feminism. And, you know, the, the, the title was the future of feminism. Where do we go from here? So that was a whole body of research that I did back in the seventies. And I, I learned a great deal about that. That really based on the research, what came forward for me was that it's not about substituting patriarchy for a matriarchy. It's not about that because the feminine is not about hierarchy you know that's not how feminine power is expressed but it's really about collaboration it's about sharing and working together with and so that's been a a guiding mindset for me ever since well of course then being the mother of two daughters and the grandmother of a granddaughter my life has been populated with you know, the, these younger generations of women coming up and being a role model, you know, wanting, wanting to be a role model for them as to what an empowered woman can look like and, and what that can be. And I want to say now in my elder years, in my embodied elder years, I'm still working on it. I was just going to ask that. Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing about being an empowered elder is that we're still learning. I mean, being empowered in our elder years suggests a mindset of lifelong learning and long life learning. And I'm still learning how to be a wise woman. (laughs)
1: Of that. I love it so much. So what's really standing out for me, Judith, is one is just like your complete authenticity. And I love that so much. When it, whenever you share, it's just pure authenticity and truth. And the research that you came up with in this energy of collaboration that we don't do this work alone. And for me, I remember when I read the book, The Red Tent, I don't know if you ever read it by any of notes. And when I read that book, I was like, I want a red tent. I want to go to a place when I have my cycle by other women. Like I want this. And my life also really changed the first time I went to a new moon circle. This was probably 10 years ago. And it was like a drumming circle and there was so much energy and it was all celebrating the moon. And then I realized, oh yeah, this is innate within me. And and so I definitely follow the moon cycles because she's feminine and I flow with her. And today in the morning, we, were, we were, I was on the road. It was really, really foggy out in the morning. I was with my partner and he's like, look at the moon. She's full. And I'm like, no, honey, she's not full. You're looking at the sun because it was all hazy. She goes, moon, uh-huh. because she's white. I said, no, it's the sun. I said, because I follow the moon cycle and we're still in the new moon and she's very small. She's just a sliver. And he's like, oh, yeah. And it's just like, I know within my beingness now, just that connection of like the feminine. If we can't have it in the reach of others, it's also all around us. Mother Earth, she's female. She's waiting for us. Um, You know, I teach a lot of my students, just lay down and let yourself rest. And of course, because I do that myself. And then what's happening in the lunar cycle and just all of this information, um, you know, it's not like I was ever taught, but luckily I, something there was yearnings in me of like, what is this collective energy of the feminine? And yeah, we all, you know, I know that you are still um, creating. It's like your creation is still pouring through and we just
0: shared shortly. Earlier that oh no, there's more coming, Brandy. There's more coming. It's true. It feels like a fire hose is running through me. You know, at a time in life when most people my age are winding down, yeah. slowing down, you know, beginning uh, beginning to rest. Not me. I I am like I feel like I am exploding with creativity. There is some kind of primal sense of urgency I have about staying connected to this material that is wanting, that is using me to teach about becoming an empowered elder. Now that I am there, I want to, I'm skipping around a little bit, but I I don't want to lose this thought when you're talking about the moon We're in an Aries moon. Are we still in the Aries moon? Well, we just
1: finished the Aries new moon. I don't know where the moon is today because it's always changing, but we just celebrated it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So my moon is an Aries in my birth chart. So here's the moon, feminine. Here's Aries, masculine, the warrior. (laughs) So I get to be a warrior for the feminine. You know, the marriage of the masculine and feminine, it's not about completely negating the masculine qualities. I mean, there are aspects of that that are important and useful and necessary. So it's not about that. Uh, And I think it's time. It's long past time to be celebrating the feminine and nurturing the feminine and acknowledging the feminine. But it has been particularly challenging for me because one of my most feminine signs, the moon is in one of the most masculine houses. <laughs> Interesting. Aries, Aries is fire, right? Yes. So your energy is fire. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes. That's who you yeah. are. And air, fire and air. I'm a double Aquarian. Double Aquarian with an Aries moon. So I am a warrior. Aquarius is the sign of transformation. And so I'm a warrior for transformation. You
1: are. <laughs> or we know that. We know that. So I want to dive in a little bit about the subject of empowered elder. What, what does it mean? I know eldering versus elderly and if you could describe a little bit more about the subject i'd
0: love to hear sure well you know we are awash in society with negative images and stereotypical images that are not exactly empowering about aging and and our our elder years and so the term elderly is i i it's a time of decline. It's looked upon as a time of decline. I hesitate to use the terms positive and negative because I see it as all neutral. Um, but the images that are out there about someone who is elderly are not exactly empowering images. I mean, right now in the U.S. where I live, we have an 80-year-old president who has just announced his intention to run for reelection. And are people talking about what he has accomplished? No, they're talking about his age. And they're not saying good things about his age. They're talking about how frail he looks and how, you know, he kind of stumbles and mumbles and how there's maybe some indication of, some cognitive decline or something. And so this is the image of Elder Lee. And we can come to our later years in life as Elder Lee in which we haven't done the work. We haven't done our inner work. We have kind of, we've become invisible. We've pretty much resigned and allowed ourselves to, we've just kind of given up. You know, we're not, we're not connected and engaged and vital. Elderly brings to mind images of weakness and frailty. So most people come to their later years in that state. And I'm interested in empowering people to come to these years, not as elderly, but as an elder. Mm, Yes. And an elder is someone who is connected and engaged and empowered, who has done their inner work, who is, uh, it's a term of honoring. Uh, there's respect, there's relevance. An elder is someone who knows that they matter and they live their life as if they matter. They live a life that matters. Mm-hmm. That's That's big. That's huge. So
1: when you're speaking, the images that are coming to my mind is the elder is always the most respected. The word of the elder is the most respected. When I think of me and my relationship to elder, that is what I think of, of the wise woman, the wise man with the knowledge and the experience of life. And, you know, I think in the, probably in the native tradition, it's even more than in our tradition. Yes. Um, And I want to share that this weekend it was my dad's 80th and we were at synagogue and he was honored and they were, they, there's a special ceremony when you turn 80 and and in the Jewish tradition, it's called you're entering the years of valor. It's a
0: Mm
1: -hmm. time in your life and it's, there's special, there's a whole section of special honoring of the sacred time of the wisdom years that you're in. So I see this as the golden nugget of your wisdom pouring forward on this planet of the lessons that you learned that you get to continue to share. And maybe that's why your creativity is just like, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful, Brandy. I love how you describe that. And I just... It just rings so true. I, I think, uh, you know, in in Western cultures, elderly, elder people, uh, aged people. I'm not, so I'm not talking about elders now, wise elders. But I'm just talking about people who have achieved or attained advanced years. Mostly are shoved aside, you know, they're As soon as we begin to falter physically or mentally, that's it. We're over, you know, people are kind of warehoused off into nursing homes and all of that. Um, we We don't tend to, in Western culture, have rituals or ceremonies. I love what you shared about for your father. We don't have rites of passage in terms of rituals and ceremonies to really mark this time for people you know it's like passing through a gate mm-hmm. it's passing through a portal and when i turned 80 i was very aware of passing through a portal into a new land up until my 80th birthday which was a year ago i thought of myself as a baby elder <laughs> <laughs> i was still i was still a little bit resi- i you know i had my own I had my own little shreds of ageism, and we all do. I think we all have them. I think we all have deep-seated ageism, and, you know, that gets to get rooted out. So so I considered myself a baby elder when I was in my 70s, 60s, and 70s. And then I reached 80, and it became just clear as day to me that I was standing at a portal and about to enter enter a new land, a new country. And I'd never been there before. And it was all new and it was all unknown. And to me, that is the most exciting thing about it. That it's not like it's over. I've been there, done that. I know all that. Not at all. It's about, whoa, what's this? What is all of this space I get to explore and learn about? I can't wait. And so, you know, one thing about being an elder is to have a mindset. Being a wise elder is to have a mindset of curiosity and receptivity and openness, and wonder, to be in wonder, and to be in awe. It's almost, you know, we talk about second childhood. In a way, it's almost like returning to the newness that a child sees when a child is first witnessing the world and everything is new. And to enter the elder years with a mindset that, whoa, this is new territory. And it's to be in wonder and awe about what is this new? What does this new land have in store for me? Who do I get to be in this land? What do I get to learn? And also there's work involved. You know, there's work in the inner work involved in terms of letting go of the baggage, letting go of the old stories. Um, letting go of regrets, it's its like coming to completion with what the Chinese would call the stones in your heart. You know, it's like releasing the stones in your heart and clearing the way for new possibilities to emerge. And many of those new possibilities that will emerge if we do the work and create the space will be a new understanding about the old stories will be a new interpretation of the old stories that held us back, that were the source of pain or the source of suffering. That's part of our work is to go back in, to dive into all the old stories and to mine them for their wisdom. Because at the time they were happening, we were probably so caught up in the emotion And, you know, anxiety or fear or whatever was there that we didn't really access the wisdom that was also present. And so to consciously go back in and revisit. So we call that a life review to do a life review and revisit those old stories from the perspective of, okay, I know this was painful at the time. And I struggled and I I went through a lot. And boy, am I glad that's over. True, okay. But now let me go back and see what else, see what I missed. See what, how did I not, what were the dots I didn't connect? What were the patterns I didn't see? And as those dots begin to connect and new patterns begin to emerge, we begin to reimagine ourselves, reimagine who we are. Mm -hmm and reimagine who we are becoming because we are a becoming we are a process of becoming okay. and and the wisdom is the understanding is that it's not a place that we arrive and we're cooked and we're done we get there and that's it we've done it we're transformed no we are becoming wise we are becoming empowered we are becoming transformed it's a continuous unfolding it's an evolution i can't think of anything more exciting
1: <laughs> that's just so much what you just said and the first thing that i want to go to is that all the people that are listening right now i just want you to tune in to this energy of dr Judah the excitement, the enthusiasm, the zest, the drive, the passion, it exudes out of every cell of your being.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's true. I feel it.
1: <laughs> and another, like one of the things you were saying, you're like, when I went through the portal, that ritual of turning 80, there something transformed within you. And the way that you were describing it just now with that childlike excitement and enthusiasm and curiosity, embracing of the unknown. Now, I know many people that are in this place of constant worry and in battle of the unknown, it's like the unknown causes anxiety. The unknown, I don't know what's going to happen. And here you are celebrating with every cell of your being. This is the unknown I am walking into. And I am so excited for this next phase. Now, everyone that's listening, take this and <laughs> Because if you are like so many right now, we don't know. And when we make huge life decisions, we don't know really the outcome. So what yeah. wisdom do you have around this energy of making peace with the uncomfortable
0: of that No. I wrote a book about that. <laughs> That's what my book is about. <laughs> it's called Beyond the Box. Lean Out, uh, Rise Up. Lean Out. So it's Lean Out of the Box. And so the t- so the subtitle is Learning How to Be Comfortable, Being Uncomfortable. So that has always been a mindset piece for me. Well, I won't say Always. But as I think about my life, as I think about decisions that I made early in life as a teenager, for example, if I can share this. Yes. When I was 16 years old and a junior in high school, my father was transferred to another state. And so we were going to move to another state. I, I'm. It's April of my junior year. It's spring break. I have been in the school system with these same kids from kindergarten. I'm now about to enter my senior year of high school. I have a boyfriend. I'm a cheerleader. You know, I'm fully established as a presence in my class, with my schoolmates, with my friends. And now I'm going to be uprooted and moved to another state. So my my parents asked me, well, Okay, you have a choice. You can wait till the end of the school year, finish out the year. I mean, there are only like two months of school left. You can finish out the school year and then we'll move in the summer or we can move now. And I thought about it and I mulled it over and I made the decision. Let's go now. It was difficult to do. But here was my thinking. Let's go now. I'll start a new school with all new people in a whole new state. I don't know a single soul. There's two months of school left. But that will be enough time for me to meet new people and, you know, make friends before the school year ends. And then when I start my senior year, I won't be a stranger So that's what we did. Turns out that 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 was the best decision I could have made. Because when I got there, I got there right before cheerleading tryouts. (laughs) I was a great cheerleader. I mean, I'm still a cheerleader. You can get that, right? That's my energy. I've got the energy of a cheerleader. So I get there. They have cheerleading tryouts. I try out and I made it. And so... Cheer, becoming a cheerleader in that brand new school where no one knew me. Was my path in, was my way in to meeting people, to getting established, da-da-da-da. Was it the easiest and most comfortable path? Absolutely not. But even at age 16, something in me was adventurous and curious and willing to like... Go for it. And I think that's always been in there. It's just always, my parents have been kind of pioneers. They installed solar panels on their roof in the 1980s when solar panels were barely a thing. And they would go up on their roof and clean them when they were in their 80s. So part of this is genetic, I think. You know, I want to give... Do credit to my parents. And they were great role models for me. They were active and engaged right up to the finish line, right up to before they died. My dad played golf five weeks before he died. My mom and I were shopping four weeks before she died at age 91. Amazing. You know, so it's just, it's so embedded in me. Mm-hmm. Honest, Brandy, I don't know how to be any other way. Right. And and what I'm hearing
1: is that you take care of your body, that physical movement as well. I've heard you say on your podcast, you do your daily walks, you're committed yes. to, to also like, it's not only that your mind is so sharp, but you also take time to tune into your physical form.
0: Well, you know, as a yoga teacher, mind and body are one, right? So yeah. Body, mind, spirit, it's all one. It's all connected. I don't think that I could be sharp in mind if I weren't taking care of my body. So yes, it's non-negotiable. It's not even an issue. I can't wait to get out and do my morning walk like you. I mean, I see your posts on Facebook out there and the beauty of nature all around you. I live in an urban area. I, you know, I live in the, in the Bay area. I walk under the BART tracks. <laughs> I have a whole different experience than you do a different kind of nature but it's amazing it's fascinating I'm fascinated by the people that I you know that I come across yeah. and um yeah so being being fit being active good nutrition plant-based diet um all of that is part of it
1: yeah, Absolutely. yeah. And sharing and sharing your gifts. So like, that is one thing that I see that you continually show up and share. So Judith has an incredible, incredible podcast. So everybody, I definitely want you to tune in. We're going to have the show notes, how to tune into our podcast. This comes out on Friday. It's my Friday treat.
0: And doing this interview with Brandy was my Friday treat. I hope it was yours as well. Thanks for being with us until we see you next time out here in the new beyond many blessings. Hey, beyond squad. Before we go, let me take a moment to thank all of you for being here. And if you're up for it, I have a little extra credit homework assignment for you. Please take a moment to go over to Apple and leave a review. You can actually say some nice words or give us five stars on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does make a difference, and I would be so appreciative. Meanwhile, we'll see you next time here in the Tomorrow New Beyond. It's always not up to someone else. The hope you have is hope that you can trust. The truth is that the future is up to each of us. Each of us can build We can guide